Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome back to Growing Up Ghetto, episode four. Let's get into it. Firstly, I apologise that um, I haven't been able to upload and provide episode four before now. There's been a few hiccups, but let's get into the conversation. cover a few things um, connection family and probably around 12 to 13 it probably sounds like things were all kind of like shit and to be honest with you the majority of the time things were there wasn't a lot of times that things were good Um, and when things were good they were usually marred with something bad like the day we was meant to go Glastonbury I may have just been just turning 11 well after 11 but before before my 12th birthday I think and we was meant to go to Glastonbury my mum wasn't going but me and my brother and sister was going with one of my mum's friends and I wasn't allowed to go until I'd seasoned the meat So even though I didn't like doing it, I had to do it. It wasn't my job, but I had to do it. We had, one day, I can tell you, we had a wicked, wicked, wicked water fight between like Argar Road and Brighton Street. There was so much fun, everybody got wet. It was fun, I'm not gonna lie, my mum castled soaked. Carnival was like a real, real great thing because it was, I guess it was one of the days where like the whole community come together and if you know Bristol, you know St. Paul's Carnival, oh sorry for the yawning, is established um, and has been established for I think 40, 40, 45 years. I don't think we've had number 45. If I remember correctly, but Carnival was a great thing because it was a one time like the whole community came together. Everybody had a stall outside their house. Um, it enabled the community to make money. I never understood how people would class St Paul's as the ghetto somewhere they wouldn't normally want to be but yet this one day of the year it's fine for everybody and their granny, great granny, son and grandson to come down and come walk around the area and not see a problem with it 
I guess because they feel like their safety in numbers. Yeah, things have gone wrong at Carnival. But I don't I don't I don't I don't think that will ever stop it. Things go wrong everywhere. I think Good Carnival has been established for a long time. For me around this time things were I guess that you would say that the tables were tipping. I don't want to say turning, I don't things weren't generally going great, but they were tipping. So my mum held a birthday party for me. Twelfth birthday party. At what was the St. Nicholas Pub at the time, it's now flaps. Um I guess to try and I don't know mix me in for a certain way. She knew a lot of people that had kids. I'd started to meet some friends from Adventure Playground. So we had the party. Remember I told you guys previously that I had met my auntie. So because I'd met her in London, I had only seen her once or twice. But she drove down to Bristol for my birthday. Which I was super duper 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 happy about. I felt like I knew my auntie more than I knew my mum. If that makes sense. Um... Yeah, I definitely felt like I knew my auntie more than I knew my mum. So when she came down, I was super duper duper happy. Like I said, super duper. I kind of like that word today, super duper. But um, she came down and she had a couple of other people with her. But she came down with um, gifts for me. And in total, I think there was about £250. 200 £500, something like that. So, there was... My mum had a cup, or I had a cup, in my mum's bedroom that I would keep money in. So, I took some of the money out obviously it was my birthday money and I put the rest of the money in the cup and I went to bed and that night my mum and my auntie went out um I don't know what happened that night something happened between my mum and my auntie maybe she will come on here and discuss that but I don't know my mum was out of place in what she did and they were out at night out and my auntie got pissed off and decided to go home but she was going to go home anyway but either way she decided to go home and I don't know I guess that this would be the day when I kind of like really lost trust in adults 
because I woke up in the morning and went to go to the cup to get money out and my money was gone. Mm, all of it. So I asked her what happened to it. My mum informed me that she borrowed it. I was in shock and dismay. What do you mean you've borrowed my money and you didn't ask me to borrow my money? How does that work? That don't make no sense to me. But to her it made a whole heap of sense. So, the money was gone. I'm not going to lie, I was pissed off. More because when I went to get the money, it wasn't for me to go and spend frivolously. It was for me to go and get breakfast with me and my brother and sister. And I realised that my mum had spent it on her night out. And it wasn't her money to spend. How dare you? I was pissed for weeks. <laughs> Let me tell y'all. I was vexed for weeks, weeks. You took my money that my auntie bought me from my nan and my granddad, my birthday money, and you spent it. On what? And you don't even have nothing to show for it. Like, it just didn't make any sense to me, to be honest with you. So that day, I really lost trust in adults. Not simply for the fact that my auntie had gone back and hadn't said bye, but I kind of knew that was going to happen because I had gone to bed. But for the fact that my mum had taken my money and stolen it, and I had, that was my money. And I treasured it because it was a gift from my nan and my granddad and my auntie and people who I don't see very often. And at this point, I still hadn't seen my granddad. So I didn't know him, but he knew me enough to send me birthday money and you decided to spend it. Okay. So that happened. I want to say after my 12th birthday is when shit kind of started to go wrong. Um... My mum used to do a lot of, um, she used to rent out the bathroom in the house to lodgers. Um, and there was a guy who my mum used to know who used to introduce her to people. Mum knew and met a lot of people through DJing, music, selling grapes, things like that. But this guy, he introduced this man called Yushman to my mum. Who started to rent the back room. And I kid you not, within, I, I want to say within nine months, my mum had met, married, And then met and married this guy 
and he was in the house. I was confused as to how he had gone from being a lodger to being our man. I, I, I'm not going to lie, I was confused. I was confused. The day when mum got married, I wasn't there. Um... Yeah, the day my mum got married, I wasn't there. It was a sham wedding and it, I, I really believe that it shouldn't have happened. It really shouldn't have happened. So... Once they got married, I remember him getting arrested. And he spent like four or five months in the detention center in the JA building. I remember the building, I remember the JA building detention center because I remember she would drive there every day and we would visit him. And she lied about some situations we were put in some situations that definitely wasn't correct so for about six months while he was in london in the detention center we were at his sister's house um i was 12 if i told you i was 12 me my brother and sister my mum were staying at his sister's house my mum was going to the detention centre on a daily basis. Me and my brother and sister would frequent Hackney Library, which was across the road from the flats. I'll never, ever, ever forget. Um, and I remember while us being in those flats, a lady fell out of a window in those block of flats. I don't remember if she fell or if she was pushed out of the window in the block of flats and died. I remember that while we was living there. But anyway, being in Preston's house wasn't somewhere that I wanted to be. Um, I wasn't happy there. We wasn't going to school. We had basically, our life had basically been disrupted because my mum wanted to sort things out for this guy and get him out of the detention centre. Um, there's a little bit more there that I need to divulge but I don't like there's other people's stuff there and I need to speak to them first and things like that or maybe I'll just bring them in on the conversation but anyway he came out he managed to get out but before he managed to get out I remember he had a brother His sister had a son, not a brother. His sister had a son who wasn't well. And they basically, men his mental health wasn't good in it. And they basically kept him on a mattress in a room that was the same size as the mattress. Now I was 12 and I didn't know, I didn't understand, I didn't get it. Um, they was out one day, I went into his room and he tried to 
take something from me that he shouldn't have. My tights and everything got ripped up. I remember telling my mum and she got mad but she also blamed it on me like why was you in there like what do you mean why was I in there I'm a child and an adult pulled me into their room what do you mean why was I in there so so now this was my fault okay and rather than she remove us from the situation I got in trouble um and he stayed and that whole time i was there in london i was thinking if i can just get to my auntie if i can just get to my auntie then i'm good but i didn't have no way of getting to my auntie so we're stuck in a situation we stayed in london i want to say for about six months They got married in Bristol. He got arrested. Got stuck in the detention centre. They were threatening to send him home. That happened with his nephew. And then I want I I couldn't tell you when he came out. But he came out. I don't know how she got him out, but she got him out. I do know how. She lied and told them some bullshit um, and got him out and so we came back to Bristol um, I went back to school And then shit used to kind of like really go downhill. There wasn't ever, there wasn't ever, there wasn't many ever, oh God, there wasn't many good times after then. I don't know why I can't talk, I know, I do know. But um, things just started to get dark and they started to get worse. And... I don't know if being in detention had changed him or if he was already like this because I didn't know of any situations like this beforehand. I remember a day where we was all on the stairs and we was meant to be going somewhere. I don't know. I think it was food shopping. I'm not sure where we was meant to be going. And I don't know what he was looking for. We wanted something and my mum couldn't find it. And we was all stood on the stairs. And next thing I know, he punched her in the face. And I was like, wow. It shocked me. It really, really did shock me. I'd never... I had never seen that before. I had never seen any form of violence in my life before. Well, yes, I'd seen fighting and all that happen outside. But I'd never seen a man, full-blown, punch a woman in the face for nothing. I was hella confused. I'm not gonna lie. And then I just stood there like, I looked at him and I looked at my mum 
And I looked at my mum and I looked at him and I was like, huh? I was confused and like I said, it shocked me and it sparked a feeling in me that I didn't like. And that was the first day that he hit my mum in front of me. Now my mum was, I want to say about five foot six, five foot five, and he was four, five foot nothing. I don't know how she managed to let that happen. But I guess I do. Well, that was the start of some serious, serious bullshit. My brother spent a lot of time at boarding school in this time. So it was just me and my sister in the house. Um, but I was still parenting and even though this guy had come along, my mum wasn't parenting. I would get up in the morning, feed, eat, bathe and clothe myself and my sister, take my sister early to school for breakfast club, take myself early to school for breakfast club. I guess my behaviour at school started to, um, things started to go wrong for me because things are going wrong at home. I'm one of those people that truly believe that you cannot build a house on a broken foundation. You just can't, it's just not gonna work. Everything else is going to fail. The house is eventually going to fall down. Doesn't matter how far, you may get to build this house right up to the roof and rafters. But I guarantee you, let there be a shake in that foundation that isn't already strong. It's gonna break. And that house is going to come crashing down like a tumble of bricks. And that's essentially what happened to me. There were things going on at home that was affecting me, my behaviour and who I am. And it started to show up in my schoolwork. But there were also other factors to what was going on. So, like... One day I was at school and I was pulled out of my class to reception because there was a phone call for me. My mum was screaming and crying down the phone telling me to come home because she can't find something and he's going crazy. So when I got home, he was a man, he didn't have a job. He sold drugs for a living, that was what he did. So when I got home, he had given her something to hide in the back garden. And she couldn't find it. 
So I had to go into the back garden and find it. But by the time I got home, my mum had two black eyes. So obviously she couldn't find it and he wasn't happy about the fact that she couldn't find it. But for me, the problem lied with the fact that you had called me home. Because now you've put me into this situation. And I haven't just fought this way as an adult. I fought this way as a child. Like, why have you now put me into this situation with you? Leave me out of it. Stop putting me in this situation. So I've gone home. She's got two black eyes. He's not in the house. She's screaming. She's crying. She can't find it. I need to help her find it because she's getting mad. So I went out into the back garden and I found it. And he gave it to her. And she gave it to him. And now I was told I had to stay at home. So I stayed at home for the rest of the day. Um, things, I don't know how we managed to command such a darkness over our household. I really don't know. I didn't get it. I didn't understand. Um, he was hitting my mum though real bad and she had some friends from Birmingham who came down and wanted to handle the situation but she wouldn't let them She doesn't want them to handle it. <laughs> Which I didn't understand. I never, ever, ever understood. But looking back on it now, I guess I kind of get it. She was getting some form of satisfaction from the relationship. That's the only thing that I can think because... Either that, or you're scared. But they were here to move him out, essentially. That's what they were here for, to move him out. Um, and that was, she didn't want that to happen. So, that was another situation that confused me. Because by then, I was now being I was being abused myself by then. So, I wanted him gone. My mum didn't want him gone. She was being hit, her punched on a regular basis. I remember I came home from school one day and she had like a big white patch on her leg. And I was like, I didn't understand what that was. 
And there was a guy that was involved with our family, he was a family friend. And he explained that my mum got, had got a delivery of grain. And this man must have wanted to take a spliff out of it. And she was like, oh, one minute, let it just rest. I really just got it. And he wasn't happy about that and took up a stick with a nail in it and hit my mum in her leg. And then just walked out. So things continued to get bad. I spent a lot of time, as much time as I could, out of the house, but also as much time as I could. I was not, like, it was weird because I didn't want to be around them, but I didn't want to be out of the house. I didn't want to be walking around St. Paul's, but I didn't want to be around my mum. I spent a lot of my time in my bedroom during these times. My room was on the, my mum had a three-storey house and my room was on the top floor, the middle floor. And then my mum's room was on the bottom floor and my room was on the top. I don't know if I concluded that a bit. But I hope you get it. Mine and my sister's room, top floor, middle floor, no one's room, lodging room, bottom floor, my mum's bedroom, kitchen. There. So how my mum would notify me that she wanted my presence was by banging the wall. And I would hear it upstairs. She would bang the wall three times and I would hear it upstairs and I'd come down and find out whatever it is she wanted. Um, and that's how I would come downstairs. I didn't do a lot of going out. I spent maybe my weekends at Adventures. I wasn't a very messy child. I spent time in my bedroom. I had my TV in there. I had a kettle in there and I had a microwave in there. So I was good. I didn't need to come out of my room for nothing. Nothing at all, really. Apart from to go shop and that. And that is where I would patrol in my room. Um... Things were shit. But they were survivable as long as I was kind of in my room and kept to myself. And nobody kind of troubled me. I was fine. Um, um, Oh, a little bit of resistance here. <laughs> uh, things were going. They were. They were. Yeah, they were going. It was happening. Life was happening. Um, I had a couple of friends that I had now made. I'd been kicked out of school by the time I think I was 12 or 13. And I was going to a school called OSP, which was out of school pupil support. I went to school for two and a half hours a day. They paid me £2.50 to go. 
and it was over in St. Jude in St. Matthias Park. I think that's what the park's called. There was an old school there. And I went to school there. For the longest while. Um, and things continued to gradually kind of go downhill. I remember like I used to babysit. And that was how I made my money. My mum had a lot of adult friends. I was very tall. I was very sensible. I knew how to look after myself and to look after other people's kids. So I did a lot of babysitting in the area for my mum's friends. And it meant that it gave me the opportunity to be out of the house and also create like an income. I would charge like, first of all, it was like £15. And eventually I would just say, look, like £25, £20 for the night. That's happy. By then I'd started smoking. So I was like, £20, I can buy my drawer. You leave me cigarette and Riddler. The kids, I bath the kids, put them to sleep, sit down and chill, go to bed, go home in the morning. They drop me back down to my mum's house where I walk down. So I remember one day I had babysat and come back to my mum's house, I had £25. And he took my money. And I wanted my money back, and I was arguing and I was shouting that I wanted my money back and he wouldn't give it back. I remember my brother took a stick and told him to give back the money, and he picked up a wire to lick my brother with and hit him with it. My brother picked up the stick and gave him one piece of whack on the back of his legs, boy, like I'd, listen, like I'd never known. I tell you, the man gave me back the money, but like, it's like he realised then that he's not as strong as what he thinks he is, or he realised that he hadn't, he didn't have power over my brother, per se, and he didn't, because my brother was unruly, and he had his conditions or whatever going on, Hence the reason why he was at school. Number two, he didn't know this man and hadn't created a relationship with him like how, to a certain degree, we had. He hadn't been in the house with the man. So, he wasn't aware of the bullshit and he kind of like didn't, he didn't feed into it and he didn't care. Um, so he hit him in the back of the legs with the stick and took his Rolex watch. He had a gold Rolex watch and dropped it down the drain. I tell you, I tell you, the man vexed and blows and beat. I tell you, <laughs> I will never forget watching him drop that watch down the drain. And that was like, see, like that was the thing. Of like living in St. Paul's, you would get those things on the road. But to my brother, it was nothing. It's fucking gold watch. That's fine. I don't fucking care. He just dropped it down the drain. So he gave me back my. The guy gave me back my money. He did give me back my twenty-five pound, and he did leave me and my brother alone. I think he went downstairs and punched my mum actually, because he couldn't get one over on me and my brother, which is understandable. 
not understandable that he can punch my mum, but understandable that he would be so frustrated that he would go down there and do that. So I remember that situation. Um... Things just weren't good and weren't great at this time. So... I'm not quite sure of the time span, but... And I don't remember when Renee's funeral was. But I know that day shit was going to go down. Shit went down. Um, he went on the road. Rene was like, Rene was a guy that lived across the road from my mum's house, directly across the road. He was the last house on Brighton Street. They called him the Godfather. Um, and he looked out for my mum, like, quite a lot. He could basically see from his front room right into my mum's bedroom. So I'm guessing he probably saw a lot of shit. But I feel like my man knew that he couldn't, yes, he would hit my mum, but he could only take it to a certain level while Rennie was there because Rennie wouldn't sit in his house and just let it happen. He would come out or he would say something. But he was getting old now. So Rennie died, passed away. Um... And we went for the funeral. I remember my mum literally like didn't have no shoes on and was in the mud burying him. That I remember. Um, and we were going back to the house because they'd asked her to play music, I think. At the house. And she hadn't cooked. And I guess when we got back to the house, he was there waiting and hungry. And vexed over the fact that she hadn't cooked. So she was like, yeah, but the kids then will eat at the funeral. We'll eat out and you'll eat out. And he wasn't happy with that response. And told her to go into the kitchen and start cooking. And so we went into the kitchen. I remember... My mum had a big black table. I think she still got the table, big black round table. And the sides, the kitchen sides go over three walls of the kitchen. One wall's empty. And there's a table. So I sat in the chair at the table. And the meat was seasoned and everything. It just hadn't been cooked. So she put on the pot, the pot and stuff and started to cook, heat up the oil. And he came in there and he was still cussing. And she was like, but I'm cooking. Like, I don't understand why you're still cussing, I'm cooking. And next thing I know, he had the broomstick in his hand and he just hit her with it. And I was like... Instantly, my stomach started to knot up. Instantly. And hit her again. And he hit her again. And he hit her again. 
and the broomstick broke in three places and I saw her tooth come out of her mouth and bounce on the side and land in the pot of food that she was cooking and he just wouldn't stop hitting and hitting and punching and kicking and hitting and she just continued trying to cook and I was shocked and confused as to number one why she wasn't fighting back and number two why he was doing this I didn't know what to do when I tell you my ass was rooted to that seat it was rooted to it I didn't know what to do in that situation I didn't know and I couldn't believe that this was all happening just because she hadn't cooked food. Like, I didn't... He continued to hit her and continued to hit her and continued to hit her. And at one point, he just stopped and got up and walked out. He didn't say anything. He didn't look at me. He didn't look at her. He didn't say anything. He just stopped and walked out. So when he was out of the room, I said to her, like, let's go get help. I swear to God, I whispered, I'm going to go and get help. Like, you can't stop me from getting to the front door. Let me get out. Because there was, like, 150 people outside the house, at Renee's house, at the after park for the funeral. There was people there. There was people outside. I knew for a fact there was people outside. But she wouldn't let me leave. And I don't know whether that's because she was scared and wanted someone to stay with her. Whether she was scared that he was maybe outside the door. Or listening. Or hurt. Or he would hurt me. I don't know. But she wouldn't let me leave. To go and try and get help. And at this point, like, I was crying. I had tears streaming down my face because what am I meant to do about this situation? And he came back into the room and he got her and he called her out with his finger. He didn't say, come here. He just looked at her and pointed his finger on you know, just gestured for her to come out of the room. And they went upstairs to the bathroom. I don't know what happened in that bathroom, but I know that when I came down, when my mum came back downstairs, I think he had, like, he had, like, hurt her leg, stabbed her in her leg, like, ten times. And I don't know why, I'm not sure what he was trying to do if he was trying to tickle her, but she was hurt even more outside of that room. And then she came back downstairs and she couldn't walk downstairs, that's how bad it was. She slid downstairs on her ass. And she, he was like, throw in a taxi and go hospital. He just said it so matter-of-factly, just throw in a taxi and go, go hospital. And she was like, what am I going to tell them? 
I remember him saying to her, just tell them you had a fight. So I called a taxi. And we went to the hospital. At this time, Hailey and Sapphire was at the center. They didn't know. They were none the wiser. We went to hospital. Um, sat in A&E for the longest time until someone basically came to ask why she was there and she was like I got in a fight and I told them no her husband did this and you need to send the police because we're not going back there I'm not going back there I don't want to go back and she looked at me and she gave me the eye but at that time I was done like I was done. This was 13 days before my 13th birthday. Because I remember them getting married in the December before then. Yeah, that's it. They got married the December before then. either December or January and um, after that we went on the run my brother and sister were placed with my mum's friends I was with my mum because I was evidently with her we went to go stay at a family friend's house that I think was out by Henbury Southmead but it was far and you didn't know where this person lived obviously so we spent a few days there um and then my mum stayed there and they was like you need to go back because you need to go to school so I went back but I was having to walk to school by myself and I didn't want to do that because I felt like he was watching and the police hadn't caught him they didn't know where he was. They didn't know what he was doing. Um, they knew he was still in the vicinity. They knew he was gaining access to the house. They didn't know how he was gaining access to the house. Until one day I figured out how he was gaining access to the house. We were staying with a lady on um, Campbell Street who was my mum's friend and one day when we was there um, he knocked the door and she was like we, we looked out, out the window very like discreetly she had a peephole as well and she was like oh shit it's him so our shoes were in the back garden I remember me and Heidi and Sasha having to go upstairs and hide in this bedroom um, basically how he was getting into the house he was knocking on doors on Campbell Street and he was going through the garden because their garden led on to Brighton Street which is where my mum lived he was going through the gardens and through the back door with the back door key into the house now I don't speak to this woman to this day 
And I don't think that she understands why I don't speak to her. But if she ever hears this, I hope she does understand. That as far as I'm concerned, if you're my mum's friend, there is no way on earth you should be enabling her abuser. What do you mean you're letting this man walk through your house to get to my mum's house via the back garden and you know he's wanted by the police? Are you, are you stupid? Like, no, but for real though, no, but for real, for real, are you dumb? As I came to an adult and I came to that realisation, people didn't, like, I looked at things very, very bluntly. What I can say is that after that situation, I was out of my mum's house by 13 and a half. I spent some time living with our friends. Spent some time living with my friends. But, but by 13 and a half, I was out of my mum's house. So anyway, back to the situation. The police haven't been able to get in. We went into the house one day to go and get stuff. And I know he was in that house. He was in that back room on the third floor hiding. He was in that house, I'm telling you. Until, like, I don't know, one day he just disappeared. <clears throat> He obviously found a way out or got a link out and one day he disappeared. He just disappeared. And so we was able to go back to the house. And we had to go back and clean and do whatever, what not that was required to be done but the house never ever ever felt the same after then my mum was on crutches i remember his sister coming down mm -hmm. his sister came down to express her apologies to say she was sorry i guess to look at my mum a lot of his friends came down he found out a lot of information after the fact but in that situation, I learned three things. Number one, size don't goddamn motherfucking matter. Two, anyone can be abused. And three, that adults are not trustworthy. That's what I learned that year. Adults aren't always to be trusted. Anyone can be abused and size doesn't matter. He was like a foot shorter than my mum, but yet he was able to command her home and her house and her space. And I made the decision there and then that that would never, ever, ever be me. So I guess that has attributed to my kind of self-isolation 
by my mum taking my money, I learned that adults weren't trustworthy. And then also, because I had been called into many situations that didn't have anything to do with me as a child, I also learned that my mum couldn't handle things. So therefore, you weren't, you weren't trustworthy and you weren't reliable. And I couldn't rely on you as my mum to make sure that me and my brothers and sisters were in a safe place. I was starting to think, how the hell am I going to get out of this? Because school had noticed that there was a change in my behaviour, so I hadn't done anything about it. This situation had happened with my mum and where this guy had tried to kill her. Social services hadn't gone in touch. There hadn't been any therapy or input for after this happened. We were just put back in the house and told to get on with it. Um... But I guess after that bullshit happened, that's when the fun really started. And we'll go into that in the next episode. Because like I said, by 13 and a half, I was out of my mum's house. And I had been abused. And I had informed my mum that I had been abused. But there was a spin put on that. And... It left me in a situation where everybody looked at me like I was the pariah, like I was the problem, like I was the issue. And there had been a couple of situations, like after he had gone missing, he must have went to London and he turned up one day with a pair of Clark shoes for my mum. i never forget these shoes. They were very unique very expensive clocks and clocks was the thing back then and everybody loved a pair of clocks and they were black and they had red stitching and he bought them for my mum and he stayed that night and the police came to get in And she let him jump out the window. I'll never forget that day. She let him jump out the window. She let him get away. <laughs> so I think that day might have been the day that I realised that my mum's priorities were off. Because I think before then... When you start to reach like 12 and that, you kind of start to really, your eyes really kind of start to open up to things. And you, I had already lost my innocence, my childlike innocence. That would mean that I would look at things and maybe think that they were play fighting. I'd lost my innocence and I knew what the real of the situation was. So when she let him get away... 
I was confused as fuck. <laughs> to say the least. But I moved out. That's what happened. I moved out because it was clear to me that staying in this situation wasn't going to be beneficial to me and nobody was willing to help me so I decided that I was done I went to social services and told them that I'm not going back and that weekend I moved in with a friend and her mum and social services would like send money to me every two weeks. And that was beginning of fun times. Coming up to my time, people. Time. I want to drop a little end note on this. I think. It takes a lot. To be able to talk about your past. And for me, because I wanted and felt like I needed to talk about certain things, this for me has maybe been a bit easier than it would be for some other people. Or maybe as it would be for yourself. But bear in mind that if you feel like you need to talk or say something about something that has affected you in your life or a situation that you was a part of do so please express that in any which way shape or form you feel you need to because it's important to let the bad shit out so that you can let good shit in otherwise what will happen is you'll become overfull. And then you react badly to other things. Or you don't let out those feelings. And then you confuse other actions with the same. And because that this happens to me all the time. It happens to me probably often. That due to things that have happened to me in my past. If I see certain things or certain behaviours in people. It makes me isolate. And just not want to deal with the situation. And that's because I haven't dealt with my past. Which I'm doing now. Granted. It is being done now. Just beware it's not as easy as what it sounds. <laughs> there is a um, motive. <laughs> There's a motive behind this and it's not for me to offload my shit onto you people. I definitely don't want you listening to this and taking all of this in. Listen to it, write it down on a piece of paper, burn it. And bear in mind to what I say. If you want to start something, start it today, start it tomorrow. Just make sure you start it. <laughs> 